lots and lots of spoilers. Ah, spring, when young men's thoughts turn to horrible, nasty, dirty things! I mean, (laughs) welcome to another episode in our series, Isn't It Romantic? This is Max Mike Movies, that show that, up till now, and, well, likely for a good long time to come, involves two guys, Max and Mike, talking about movies. And, um, that's what we're doing today. And I totally didn't have trouble thinking up something to write for the opening. That's Max's job, to, um, have trouble thinking, I mean... Did I mean that? Oh, um, yeah? Well, you're... Uh, exactly. Ow, ow, oh. ow. It hurts. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I'm so, back. <laughs> so uh, am I actually writing this right now or just saying it? <laughs> Hell, I'm not even sure. But that's what can happen with live TV. Right, the um. film... When Harry Met Sally is today's subject, and we will be scrutinizing and trivializing it in that little way that we have. And who is we? Why, we is the master of corned beef on rye, Mustard Max Levine. Yo! (laughs) And I am the sandwich press of flavor, Masticating Mike Luce. You might think this movie has a lot... what, what Mike Luce? Masticating. Okay. Didn't sound like that's what you said, but okay. Yes, masticating. It means to chew. Stop saying it. It sounds dirty when you say masticate. It. <laughs> ah! You know, I love to masticate while oh, looking at the internet. Oh God! <laughs> you know, you might think this movie has a lot to do with delis or even lunch. Well, it doesn't. I'm just hungry. Hungry for trivia. That is. Help me. Well, have it. Let's have us a big heap and helping. Right. So. The show budget. 16 million. Yeah, that's actually a pretty modest amount. Yeah, you, for 1989. I mean, you, you already know if the film was successful or not, but just take a guess at what its pull was. Remember, we're aiming for that sweet spot. Let's see, back in the 80s, it was still yeah. probably double to triple. So, Yeah, I, uh, let's say 60 million. Let's say 93. Whoa! <laughs> Dang! Now, as far as I could tell, that was domestic. So the worldwide might have been better. I just couldn't find any numbers for anything but domestic. So that was reasonably successful. Yeah, yeah pretty good. Hmm. So the director, Rob Reiner. He Beathead! Was... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Poor guy. Sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Reiner. We love you, but... Beathead! <laughs> sure. God, of he course, pr- most people be- don't even know what that means anymore, and I bet he's really happy about that. Uh, we're getting to it. He was best known for playing... Michael Stivic. <laughs> Sorry. I like saying meathead. <laughs> I noticed. I noticed. And I hey, think all geez, of our listeners. over here, you crazy meathead. What are you doing? Yeah. My flawless Carol O'Connor impression. Flawless! <laughs> We're never getting this done. Nope. Bob Reiner was best known as for playing Michael Stivic, don't say it, who was the son-in-law of Archie <gasps> Bunker on All in the Family. Stop pursing your lips. <laughs> he was once also married to Penny Marshall, the Laverne of Laverne and Shirley fame, amongst uh, many other things she did. But they divorced after 10 years. Uh, this movie is actually the result of the feelings of depression and loneliness that came from that divorce. Uh, while seen as a somewhat goofy character himself, he would go on to direct quite a slew of pretty high-profile fo- films, including The Princess Bride, Misery, Stand By Me, This Is Spinal Tap, The Bucket List, and A Few Good Men. Uh, he would do this through his production company, Castle Rock Films. You may have heard of some of those films. One or two. Yeah. Nora Ephron, the screenwriter, is known for movies such as this one, Sleepless in Seattle, Silkwood, and Julie and Julia. She was at one point married to journalist Carl Bernstein, one of the writers who uncovered the Watergate scandal. Early on, she was also one of the very few people who knew the identity of Deep Throat. When she divorced from Bernstein, she made it a point to tell anyone who asked who that was. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Which was, for those who don't know, because I actually didn't, was Mark Felt. He was the uh, the ex-associate director of the FBI. Apparently, at one point, she was in front of a 500-group... talk and somebody just said do you know who deep throat was and she said yeah it was mark felt next (laughs) she didn't care and apparently the thing was people didn't believe her yeah so but yeah 
Yeah, everyone had had much more dramatic ideas of who Deep Throat was, and having it be the you know, the associate or assistant director of the FBI just that wasn't dramatic enough. They wanted mm-hmm. it to be like Spiro Agnew or or Robert Redford or yeah, Dustin yeah. Hoffman or yeah. Uh, she was also a journalist, and she worked as an intern at the White House during the Kennedy era. And uh, then she applied to work for Newsweek. When she found out that they didn't hire women writers. She uh, actually took an internship in the uh, mailroom and then successfully sued them to change that practice. (laughs) Uh, She would go on to write for the New York Post and Esquire, among others. Uh, Interestingly, Meryl Streep would show up in three of her films, including Silkwood, Heartburn, which was a movie adaptation of a novel about her own life, and Julie and Julia. So... Much of the relationship between Harry and Sally was actually based on a different friendship. Do you know who that friendship was between? Yeah, it was Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron. No, it was Rob oh. Reiner and Billy Crystal. <laughs> oh, no kidding! Yeah, so like uh. the scene where they're shown watching the same movie, in this case Casablanca, while talking to each other over the phone, is apparently something that Billy and Rob would do sometimes on a nightly basis. Oh, yeah. And what about what about when they had sex? That didn't happen. Oh, Rob they'd, be so, they'd be so cute together. Uh, you know, I mean, oh, you know, Rob Rob Reiner's like a foot and a half taller, but sure. <laughs> that that sounds like you're describing why uh, uh, the chiropractor played uh, the, the Dracula character in Plan <laughs> 9 from Outer Space, but whatever. Uh, uh, the intercut scenes of the older couples on a couch uh, when they're speaking about how they met and how long they were married, that was actually based on real interviews conducted with production staff about their marriages. The material was rewritten and actors were brought in to play the parts. Nice. Efren, oh, go ahead. No, that's just nice. I like those little stories, although it's a strange, it's a strange gimmick for the movie, but we'll talk about that. Yep. Uh, Efren based Sally. Do you know who she based it on? Uh, I thought she based it partly on herself. Yes, she did. Uh, Reiner especially liked the way that Nora Ephron ordered food and made sure that it was used in the script. <laughs> oh, God. She does the same thing that that uh, Meg Ryan's character does? Yes, and apparently oh. the line, I just like things the way I like them, was something that Nora Ephron was known for saying when questioned, why are you doing these horrible, crazy things? And that was her response. So Reiner was like, well, that's going in the script. So it did. Fair enough. The original ending, and of course we will speak about the ending later on, but the original ending, one agreed upon by both Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron, left Harry and Sally as friends, not getting married, as this felt more real, sincere, and so on and so forth. But uh, Reiner, who again was partially doing this film because of the depression after having uh, divorced Penny Marshall, uh, met his soon-to-be wife on the making of this film. They got married, and so he changed the ending because now that felt more right. Huh. Well, all right. According to the stars, when asked if they thought men and women could be, quote, just friends, end quote, their answers were very similar to their characters. Meg Ryan replied, yes, men and women can be just friends. I have a lot of platonic male friends and sex doesn't get in the way, end quote. Crystal, on the other hand, said, I'm a little more optimistic than Harry, but I think it's difficult. Men basically act like stray dogs in front of a supermarket. I do have platonic (laughs) women friends, but not best, best, best friends, end quote. So, okay, interesting. Nobody asked, but I think if I were to take one side or the other, I would be leaning towards Billy Crystal slash Harry's side. Um, But there you go. No, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. The most famous scene in the movie, pretty much if you know any scene Uh, in the movie, you know this scene, the scene in the diner where Sally performs a fake orgasm. It came about when Billy Crystal noted that the movie was focusing a little bit too much on his character. Efren suggested the subject, but it was Meg Ryan who offered, well, why don't I just do it in a restaurant? (laughs) The woman who delivers the line, and this is like the Uh, best known piece of trivia ever, uh, who delivers the line, I'll have what she's having, was of course Rob Reiner's mother Estelle, and the line itself was again suggested by Billy Crystal. That's a real diner, by the way, the place that's Katz's Diner in New York. Yep, and they still have a little sign over the table saying, uh, "When where Harry met Sally, I hope you had what she's having, or she had. <laughs> uh, and we do this occasionally. Originally con- considered for the part of Sally were such actors, and this one I would, would not have seen coming from any direction. Susan Day. Oh, Best known as Laurie on the Partridge family. Well, also as Gracie in L.A. Law. Yes. Um, And uh, she was also in some dreadful futuristic film uh, that was, yeah. And Uh, Molly Ringwald. Oh, wow. Would that not have worked? No. 
especially not with Billy Crystal. Oh, <laughs> um, just not. Yeah, on uh, the list of people to play Harry were such actors as Michael Keaton and Tom Hanks. Like, huh? Yeah. To be fair, wow. I did, there uh, were others. Okay. Apparently, Harrison Ford was in there too, and I'm like, <laughs> kind of okay. Oh, all right, especially if you had Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher in the same. That would have been too good, really. Yeah. Also, really awkward given their history. Tom Hanks apparently considered the part too light for his taste, huh. so he didn't want to do it. Cause so he, he wanted to do something serious, like big. Okay, sure. Yeah, or, you know, uh, you've got... Bases and monsters. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was far <laughs> earlier, so... Let's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The scene where Harry and Sally independently call their friends after their night of sex took 61 takes to get right. For whatever reason, it was filmed simultaneously on three sets and had to be timed perfectly. Apparently... They got it just right on take 54. They all hung up their phones right when they were supposed to. And then Bruno Kirby screwed up his line. <laughs> and sadly, that was the last anybody ever saw Bruno Kirby because he was killed. No. Uh, this is the first movie soundtrack work for a little gentleman called Harry Connick Jr., uh, who would, I think, be very instrumental in a weird, short-lived resurgence of big band music in the late 80s, early 90s. It just was suddenly a thing. Yeah, also that sort of Frank Sinatra crooner-style piano-playing yeah. music. Yep. And he does have a very velvety voice. It's a very pretty voice. Uh, but yeah, so this is where he sort of gets his start in movies. Uh, that final scene with Harry and Sally on that couch was entirely improvised. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of trivia. That's uh, do you have any? Uh, do you have any else you want to throw in there? No, not really. Most think you covered everything. <laughs> yeah, you know what I didn't cover? What? The plot. Oh, right, the plot. <laughs> nah, I didn't write it either. Oh, come on, boy meets girl, boy. <laughs> we know the plot. So they don't, Harry. They don't, like, they, don't like, they don't like each other at first. <laughs> they like each other as friends. They end up together. Boom. There's the plot. <laughs> I mean, yes, but... I'm drunk, I'm drunk, I'm no one, I'm drunk, I'm famous, I'm drunk, I'm dead. There. <laughs> yeah, if you have not seen Harry Met Sally, its plot is, quite honestly, the plot plot is very thin. It's literally two people meet that do not get along, the people around them are getting married, and then later breaking up and then getting married again, potentially. Um, they are getting married and then getting divorced or not having relationships. All the while, they become friends until finally... There. I, I do apologize. Usually I actually write out a plot and I'm sitting here looking at the end of my trivia because it well, was so thick and long and I'm like, ah! Well, that's it. I'm cutting your salary in half. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just get Bumpy to do it next week. So, uh, yeah. yeah so I'm that's cutting Bumpy in half, too. <laughs> get him, Bumpy. <laughs> Leave him a present on his doorstep, Bumpy. <laughs> Right. I'll, I'll leave him as a present on some dog food company's doorstep. The lowdown. So, so, the question that we usually gets asked at some point sooner or later. Max, did you see it when it came out? I did. I saw and it in the theater. You really yeah. going to make me ask the question? Yes. And did you like it when it came out? I did. I thought it was fun. Okay. Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought... Uh, I, I, I didn't know Billy Crystal that much back then. Well, so now he... I knew him mostly from Saturday Night Live. I, I can't remember. Was he actually part of the cast? Yeah, he was for a, he was. For a while. That's where he cre came up with, he would do his Fernando Lamas character. Oh, you look marvelous. Exactly. <laughs> Which, that was terrible, but yeah. He, he did a good job, I think. I actually don't think I ever saw Fernando Lamas, so... No. I don't uh, know. It's so hard because it's like Billy Crystal is so successful and Saturday Night Live more of sort of isn't. So Hey, Saturday Night Live has been on the air for over 40 years. I think it, that's pretty successful. Only because they literally cannot think of anything else that they'd rather put in its place. Yeah, really. What else are you going to show at 1130 on a Saturday night? Now, yeah. we, believe me, I could talk about Saturday Night Live for an entire episode, but... Mm. Yeah, I know. Because it's, it's and of, of the things. two of us, I'm the only one who still who watched it from the beginning, and because I hate life, still watch it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've watched an entire episode since the '80s, and then mm. it would have been the early '80s. Because um, yeah, there's there's good reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, some brilliant things did come out. Obviously, Billy Crystal has seems to have made a career that you know 
people might have heard of. You think? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that Crystal Kid does uh, does does uh, seem to have uh, made a played some of himself. Yeah, uh, he is potentially at his most Billy Crystal in this film. I mean, he's really Billy Crystal in this film. You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, one of one of our lo- our listeners and and contributor by writing, you know, Herr Halbwitz. Oh yes, Herr Halbwitz. Yes, uh, he's he was watching or at least listening to the movie with me, and he pointed out something, and I didn't notice this, but he but at, once he had mentioned it, I I checked, and he's right. Meg Ryan as the character, her character ages. I mean, we the, these two people are together for like twelve years. Right. When we first see them, they're just fresh out of college in the University of Chicago in 1977, and she talks like a girl in that. She talks like a kid. Mm-hmm. And when we see her six years later, she, her mannerisms have changed. Her voice her voice changes. And as her character changes, she changes the way she talks, the way she carries herself. Billy Crystal never does. <laughs> he pay, He plays himself exactly the same from beginning to end, and I will. I it may, I think he's absolutely right about this, and uh, I have to say I think this is because Meg Ryan is a better actor. Billy Crystal is funnier. He is yeah. a brilliant comedian, and he is a brilliant comic actor. He's not a great actor. I don't know that I disagree. The only thing I, other note I had in here was that this may be Meg Ryan at her most. Meg Ryan. Oh, she is. Very Ryan-esque here. This is as Meg Ryan-ish as she gets. And as soon as she did that smile where she, like, tightly closes her eyes and shows you her gums, uh, (laughs) like, I've seen other people do impressions of Meg Ryan, and they pretty much start with that, and that kind of is all you need to do. Um, Meg Ryan, I don't... I'm trying to remember her in other films, because my feeling with Meg Ryan is you kind of don't get a lot of breadth. I don't know. She does. She did a whole bunch of romance movies, not you know rom coms yeah. and just romance in the eighties yeah. and nineties, and is in some ways, as one of our later movies will show, credited with almost killing the genre. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah. I really don't think that was her. No. And don't get me wrong; I don't think she's bad at all. No, no, she, she's the, terrific. The observances she... that uh, Herr Hobbitz is making. Uh, may also be magnified because he couldn't see her. So he's hearing some things that we might yeah. not notice because we're looking. Um, and that's a really cool observation. I certainly didn't get it. But uh, I don't know that I would consider, like you said, I don't know if I would consider, consider Crystal an actor-actor more than I would a comedic actor either. Although he does a great depressed face. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's really good at looking unhappy. Um well, okay. a lot of stand-ups are. <laughs> it's true. A lot. There are a lot of a lot of stand-up comedians suffer from depression. Yeah. Well, it's, that's, mm. <laughs> some of them it's obvious. Richard Lewis. Some of them it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But again, yeah, I think they both do do a really good job. It's just I think she. I think he's right. I think her performance is more nuanced, and she changed. She allows the character to not to reflect the aging process. Uh, more realistically than Billy does. Well, and visually, though, we have some problems because when they first get together, my first note was, ah, Billy Crystal with hair. Um, I don't know if he ever <laughs> looked like that. Maybe he did. Mm. But I'm sitting there going, uh, how old are you supposed to be? Yeah. And apparently, it's like I think he's supposed to be 21 in the first film. Or yeah. The first, the, the, of the film. Yeah, because he's just, they both just, it's clear they both just graduated from the University of Chicago. And I could buy her. And to be fair, I don't know their ages when they made this film. I could buy her being 21, 22, sure. She's she's wearing makeup in a way that says, you don't really understand this yet, yeah. right? That, uh, which, of course, was not Meg Ryan's choice. It's, it's fine, because that's what she's, she's supposed to look a little naive and supposed to look a little um, yeah, innocent. Why, yeah. Um, but I'm sitting there going, these two people really aren't that close in age, are they? <laughs> well, obviously, they're supposed to be. Although, to be fair, Billy Crystal is one of those people who I think was born looking like he was 40. Yeah. And he has looked that way for a very long time. I mean, yeah. he, when I, he looked middle-aged when he was on Saturday Night Live, and I think when he was on Saturday Night Live, he was like 20, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, then we, his hairline recedes further and further throughout the film, and he actually looks like he ages. Um, Meg Ryan just looks like she changed her hair. Yeah, a little and, bit. 
I, I honestly, she has the kind of face that it's like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, you could put a wrinkle on, but it's just going to get absorbed. Like, I think she repels wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, she, Meg Ryan, even now, has aged remarkably. Yeah, apparently there's issues with that. But uh, she's very pretty. She's yeah. very bouncy. She's very energetic. And I totally believe that that character orders her food that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which, that it, you can see that. And I've known people like that yeah. who, who order like that. It's like, yeah, hey, I want the uh, dressing on the side. I want this pati- I want this substitution. And if you don't have this substitution, don't bring me this instead. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so if we don't have that no pie, no, I want high, just don't heat it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. I like the fact that none of the wait staff do more than give her a you must be kidding look. Like nobody actually starts swearing or throwing things. Because you know she's not the first person like that they've run into. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I'm usually at a table with people uh, that have to order things differently. My partner has to order things very, very differently. And so well, I usually go, yeah. and, and for, for, for good reasons, you know, allergies and, and food Yeah, this issues. is not just because they're picky. This is for health reasons. This is yeah. dietary restrictions. This is not being a control freak. No. Uh, I try to go last just so they're sitting there going, okay, now what's, what, do you, what do you want? It's like, I just want the number three. It's fine. I'll have it the way it's written. <laughs> yeah, you're you're uh, the low-maintenance one. Okay. Oh, boy, that's a change. I used to be the big, picky per Like, I wasn't quite as bad as Sally in this film, but like if for there was going to be peanut butter and jelly, it better not be on the same piece of bread. It better not be <laughs> the same sandwich because we don't know. No, jelly sandwich, peanut butter sandwich, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> and to this day, I do not put jelly on my peanut butter. I eat it plain, thank you. Huh. I don't, no, no, because you can't get the nuance of the pe- Never mind. We believe that Mike can be helped. Please, won't you? <laughs> won't you help support him for just sixteen cents a day? <laughs> won't you help Mike into this nice trash compactor? <laughs> yes, for just sixteen cents a day. In less than a year, I'll be able to save up for a really good lead pipe to beat him with. Right. <laughs> if you don't, you donate now. We'll engrave your name on the pipe, and therefore it will be embossed, reversed on his skin when I hit him. I think I'd like to beam Mr. Spock into a wall. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we start off and they're they're in the they're in the car, and uh, it's an interesting way to start this film, which is a rom com, uh, because we get Meg Ryan, who is generally innocent and cute and perky, and we get Billy Crystal, who is funny, but he's also kind of a jerk. Yeah, and the thing is, he's absolutely he is also a type. Yeah. Because I remember people in cons like that. Oh, I have a dark side. I'm like, I'm like edgy, and I'm, I think about death. You know, I'm sorry. He would if if this film had been done about 10, 15 years later, he'd be talking about Marilyn Manson and the Cure. And yeah. I just the thing is, is that he's a very interesting character the way he's written because you know. He's supposed to be one of the protagonists. I mean, his name yeah. is in the, in the title of the film. And he is funny. Like, I do laugh. And he's a jerk because he's very negative. But I also tended to find that he was kind of right. <laughs> he's clearly like, the, he's the more realistic of the two. He's sort of yeah. more plugged into the world. Meg Ryan is one of those people who has... And it goes along with the way she, even the way she orders food... Yeah. She has a view of the way the world is supposed to be. And by God, she will bend it to fit that mold. Yeah. Whereas Billy Crystal is much more, uh, you know, the world, is, the world is the way it is. It's stupid, and I'm not even going to try. And, you know, like, he's the one who brings up the men and women can't be friends thing. It's an and... interesting point. I mean, you said you, you don't agree with that. Because he says men and women, as he put very simply, men and women can't be friends because of the sex thing. Yeah. Now, I think that they can be. I'm more of like the Billy Crystal side of it as opposed to the Harry side of it. So he says, I'm a little more, a bit more optimistic. Do I think that in general the thought has occurred? Probably. <laughs> like at some point, I think it may have entered the equation in most, but not all, cases. Like he even says, like they're talking about it. It's like, well, what if she's unattractive? He's like, oh, yeah, but they still want to. And it's like, <laughs> well, that I don't agree with. Uh, I, I think it depends on the guy. I think yeah. in a lot of cases it probably could. It might. Have, yeah, there are there are guys like that. That is true. Yeah. Uh, I think it is possible. I think the se- the sex thing is a factor. Yeah. It just I don't think it's as dominating as he seems to think it is. I think it also depends on the age. 
Yeah, like that's if true. it's a younger guy, maybe not so much. I don't know. I, I you know, I, in a way, I can't speak to this uh, because <laughs> I have women friends, but there's never been any interest for sex. So, <laughs> you know, it's a totally different thing. Gay best friend. <laughs> um, now, you know, guy friends. I can have guy friends that I don't have any interest in, um, and they're good. So I guess, well, yeah, you are one of them. <laughs> But, yes, uh, we're not going to talk into how much that hurts my feelings, but <laughs> I'm not cute enough for Mike, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. That's the reason. <laughs> um, it's just your appalling taste in films that I can't. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go pointing any fingers there, Stinky. <laughs> you mean Hudson Hawk. That's yeah. what you mean. <laughs> uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um and that, you know, sure, the, the Harry's outlook is, I would say, you're right, it's it's leaning more towards realistic. And, you know, we do get, some of the things he brings up, it's like, yeah, I kind of actually side with him. But then later on, we see one of them. So, yeah, Sally is generally able to meld the world the way she wants it to be with everything on the side. Yeah. And even when she breaks up with her longtime boyfriend, who was played, interestingly, by the son of Gerald Ford, but okay. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. Well, you might have noticed how dull he... I'm just Well, kidding. he didn't walk into anything, so I couldn't tell. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. That's so unfair. He I know. did that, like, I think twice. It was literally, he had, like, one accident. No, no, he, then... had, he had two. He, oh. uh, he, he, like, fell down some steps, and I think he swam into the end of a swimming pool. Oh, well, and he I think that was accidentally it. became president. Cause... Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't expecting to. I kind of remember at that time it was literally a case of, oh, wait, who's next in line? Does anybody know? <laughs> uh, some guy named, I don't know, Edsel, Chrysler, what the hell? <laughs> Ford was sitting quietly in the corner going, oh. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, when she breaks up with her boyfriend, uh, Harry is literally like, well, certainly you must be upset about this. And she's like, no, I'm over him. I'm over him. And she's like, you, you never get upset about anything. It's like, eh, you know, he's off doing his thing. I'm off doing, I'm better off. It's fine. And then later we find out that no, she's not that what happens is, uh, it, what it takes is finding out that her boyfriend is actually going to get married to somebody else. And that's when reality, it's like, oh, somebody served her a salad with the oil and vinegar on the salad, and that's the last salad in the restaurant, and that she has to actually deal with it. Well, part of it is, and I think they, they both have uh, uh, points about this, uh, Harry is too much a creature of his feeling. He, she says, you know, mm. you can't just have a feeling and have it pop out of your mouth, whereas she denies a lot of her own feelings. Yeah. They're both sort of the opposite ends of the spectrum, neither of which is particularly healthy. No. Because Harry just wallows in his depression, and he does kind of have his head up his ass yes. about it. And I have to say, <laughs> when she calls him out on that, mm -hmm. you know, when that when, when the wagon, the whole thing with the wagon wheel coffee table. Yeah. I liked, I liked that scene. I liked the way they play it in that they don't, I thought, oh, God, they're going to storm off. He's going to say something stupid. And what he says, are you done? Can I say something? And what he says is, I'm sorry. He says, you're right. I'm sorry. That was I was being a jerk. I thought you liked it. <laughs> I was being nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think it was honestly the most hideous thing in the it's world. Not, but it's I mean, not. I mean, we've both seen uglier tables, but yeah. come on. Yeah. I, I have to say part of it is I have never understood the glass top coffee table anyway. I mean, if you want something that's really just going to show every last speck of dirt Seriously, stuff. <laughs> or that you're afraid it'll shatter or crack. And uh, before anybody writes in, yes, we do know the um, ramifications of a glass coffee table. And no, we are not going to discuss them. No. Or even infer no, that we know not. anything more about it. Yeah. Or imply. That's yeah. right. Imply. I always get but that, that actually brings up the other major couple in this movie. I mean, Harry yes. and Sally are the major ones. But the other two, and I honestly can never remember their name. It's Jess and what's what's... It's Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby. <laughs> yeah, I can't okay. remember her name either. I can't remember her. Anne, I think, maybe? No. No, uh, I don't remember. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Well, then I'll you'll check. Quickity-clack. Yep. Yeah, I like them. Oh, Marie. I mean, Bruno Kirby. It. Marie. Marie and Jess. Uh -huh. Marie. Marie, okay. Yeah. Uh, they. Bruno Kirby, first of all, this is an interesting part for him, because he's usually either kind of the weaselly guy or yeah. the... The menacing guy, because he does a lot. Play, he's been like the minor part in a lot of gangster movies. 
Okay. And uh, it's not his his great. His greatest role to me still is Lieutenant Steve from Good Morning Vietnam. Ah. Which he uh, anyway that that's worth a show in itself. But uh, he is he's just this sort of you know ordinary New York schlub. Mm-hmm. And, I wouldn't uh, even say that. I wouldn't even put him into that category. I think he's no. just sort of an average guy. Yeah. And Carrie Fisher, who the running gag is she's been involved with a married man for most of the movie. Yeah. And the, he's never going to leave her. Nobody thought he would. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you're right, you're yeah, right, you're, you're right. right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like Carrie Fisher here yeah. because we get to see her do something. Because mm-hmm. she was basically wasted in, in a lot of the Star Wars films. They, yeah. They didn't give her a lot to do. I do like, when she gets to be feisty, I like her. Yeah. Um, but like the whole bikini thing was just so disgusting and just unnecessary and just, ugh. um, and here she's not like that character at all. So we actually get to see her do some acting and it's cool cause she can, and I like her character. Yeah. Um, and there's of course a scene where, uh, Billy Crystal or Harry's best friend, uh, Jess and is not, not with anybody. And Sally's best friend, Marie is with the married guy, but she still can't convince herself that he's not going to leave her wife. He's not, you know. Um, and they're like, you know, maybe we can fix, I can fix Marie up with Harry, and then we can fix Jess yeah, up just- with Sally. Because at this point, Harry and Sally have decided we're just friends, that's it, and they enjoy each other's company. And it's a great scene, because they go to, to dinner, and the couples, as they want them, do not click at all. Nope, there is, like, nothing. No chemistry. No. And you, it's very believable. It's like, wow, yeah, this, this, it was, it, sometimes it's uncomfortable to watch yeah. because we've all had dates like this. Mm, I, I guess most people have. <laughs> oh. I haven't, but. Uh, I, <laughs> I have. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, if you took me to a nicer place, that wouldn't have happened. Oh, you get so picky. <laughs> Never want to go to any- anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and it, it's fun because not only do they not click, but suddenly Marie just sort of quotes something out of nowhere. And Jess is like, uh, I, I wrote that. And she's like, you did not. He's like, yeah, I did. I'm a journalist. I wrote for this. What magazine did you read it from? She says it. And he's like, yeah. And she says, well, how about this? And he's like, yeah, I wrote that too. And they start talking and Harry and Sally look at each other like, whatever. (laughs) But then they leave the restaurant and separately, Sally's talking to Marie and's like, look, can you like not make a big deal? Like if you guys hit it off, great. But just because Harry's still kind of kind of uh, hurting and you know don't do anything she, she's like okay no problem and Harry says the same thing to Jess hey if you guys want to get together just right now Sally's going through some stuff her boyfriend is her ex-boyfriend's getting married blah 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 then they come back together and, <laughs> and Jess just says hey I'm tired of walking you want to get a cab and she says sure and they literally grab a cab <laughs> leap off and that's it yep and then then the next few, some scene not that far along they're getting married or they're mo- at least moving in together yeah, and I will admit I didn't remember this one because I had seen it before too, and I wasn't sure if they were going to stay together or not because there's a scene with you know with the wagon wheel table and it's like up oh, this is the beginning of the end, but that's not actually what happens. <laughs> but it's at a point in the film because initially, as 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 we've mentioned, Harry has said to Sally, men and women can't be friends, just friends, because there's always this problem with sex, and they have run into each other over the years a number of times. The first time. Harry does not immediately recognize Sally, and then the second time they recognize each other, and she's always sort of rolling her eyes. It's like, oh my god, it's this guy spouting that that really annoying, downy nonsense. Mm. Um, but eventually, you know, Harry has gotten married and then divorced. He's still pining for his ex-wife. She meets him, and they actually start getting along a little bit better, and they finally decide, you know what, maybe we can be friends. And this is a very interesting part of the film, because... And I can totally see this being based on Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal, partially because one of them is Billy Crystal. Um, but they just enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. And they work together, you know. She she sort of keeps things organized, and he keeps her from being a little too stiff, and she can make yeah. sure that he actually, you know, remembers to do things. And, and uh, No, go ahead. And the banter that they have, the fact that they, you know, she finally, initially she doesn't think he's funny, you can tell. No. She just finds him annoying, but she really, she gets into his clowning around. Yeah. 
it's the thing that strikes me, and I'm wondering if this is supposed to be a result of their friendship, because in a lot of ways their character starts felt very uptight and very controlled. That whole fake orgasm sequence mm-hmm. always struck me as out of character, because she For- never struck me as so, she doesn't come across as a person who would want to attract a lot of attention in a public place. I will agree. I also got the idea that talking that candidly and bluntly about Mm. sex, although, you know, this might actually work well into the uh, uh, Herr Hobwitz, his his observations, because the character does mature, and maybe it's just a sign of her maturity that it's like, yeah, I'm not girly anymore. I'm not that uptight. I still want my salad like that, but... Mm. I can see that. Maybe that's what it is. And if that's the case, then I'm all for it, too. It's also just funny. (laughs) Oh, it's funny as hell. It's probably Meg Ryan's funniest scene in the movie. And she does. Apparently, she had to do it over and over again (laughs) for different camera angles. And obviously, she nails it. Um, And I also just love Billy Crystal just. Like his slow, he's like he's he's watching her, trying to figure out what's going on. And he's still chewing, and then he starts chewing chewing slower, <laughs> and then he stops chewing, and he starts looking around the restaurant, and finally realizes what's going on. And he kind of gives that little quick half smile, like I don't know. Yeah. And everyone's watching her, and it's hilarious. It's funny. It's just funny, and it's one of her only really big funny moments in the film. It's not yeah. that she's not funny or fun to watch no but she's but, not laugh out loud funny for most of it she's you know it she's much more understated and this really is a big funny moment and it's her only yeah. one and also quite honestly it is a much needed bucket of water in the face of harry yeah it's like yeah women can do this and they can do it very well and you probably have and it, again <laughs> it is also harry comes across as he's the one who really understands relationships better he's the one who understands women his attitude toward women is a little disturbing in this, and he is very yes. closed off in some ways. It's funny, he's both very willing to express his emotions, but only to a degree, only as they they uh, correspond to himself. Well, it's, and he's also only willing to express them to his male friends or Sally, because yeah. they've made this agreement that they're not going to have sex and they're not going to be that kind of friends or have a relationship. And, you know, this is... And this does get to a point. My sister, uh, one of our listeners who is uh, not named Halbwitz, her name is Val, uh, said when she found out we were doing this film, it's like, oh, that's a fun film, but it does have its problems. And I think two of the problems are based around the same thing, and that's stereotypes. So on the male side of things, we get a man who doesn't know how to deal with his emotions unless he's talking to his male friends singularly, because he's not going to talk about this in a group. Yeah. Or, eventually, thankfully, he's able to talk to Sally somewhat. But also the women in this film. There are scenes, and all they're doing... Boy, would this film not pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. All they're doing is talking about how rabid they are to be married. Right, or so, or their relationships, or their... But yeah, I don't, it's true. I don't think there are two women in this... They, yeah, I'm pretty sure this movie fails the Bechdel test, which is, do two women, named characters, talk for more than 30 seconds about something other than a man? Right. And no! And it's almost a man! I mean, it, to, there's points in this film where they're talking... Oh, is he married? And there's one... She literally, Marie's character there, uh, Carrie Fisher, pulls out... And I'm going to have to explain this to people. She pulls out a Rolodex. A wrist. Now, a, a Rolodex. Rolodex. <laughs> so before we could put all these things in a phone... Uh, yeah, It's on so, paper. Just put it that. It's, it's cards. Yeah. And what she does, they're talking about, guys, well, what about so-and-so? Oh, he got married. When did that happen? Oh, about a month ago. She dog-ears that card. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like she, all the guys she knows, she has already categorized them as to, you know, marryable or not. And it's just, that part kind of bothered me, because it's like, really, the women characters in this film have nothing better to talk about than the fact that they're not yet married and it needs to happen really, really soon. Um, there's even a scene where where Sally starts. She's crying and she's like, "40 is coming," and it's like, "Yeah, not for eight years." Yes, but it's there and it's coming, and I'm not married, and it's like, okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying that marriage can't be an important part in either a man or a woman's life. But yeah, but it's painful to see people who define themselves purely in that term. It's like if I'm not well, married, I'm a failure. And it's really painful because that's how all of the women are portrayed in this film. And we get the impression, it's like, I can't remember off the top of my head what Sally does, 
but she certainly seems successful at it. So does Marie, uh. and so does the third friend whose name I don't remember. Uh. Um, they all seem to be, because all of them live in pretty nice places yeah. in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all have remarkably nice, large apartments in one yeah. of the most expensive cities in the world. Now, to be fair, we're talking 80s New York, which is not at all 2020s New York. But it was clo- it wasn't it was still expensive. It has never I mean, it, it's been a hundred years since it was cheap to live in New York. Uh, you'd find a lot of places in the 70s were the 70s was and of course the early 80s. That's when ba- they went bankrupt. Mm. But it wasn't no, cheap, cheap. But it was livable. Now forget it. Like yeah. all these people, and of course, one of my notes is. Uh, to be rich and white in New York City, because, yeah, yeah, this film, let's let's go ahead and say it, this film yeah. is, is about as white as it gets. I think it's, there's a black character, she's a waitress. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's, everybody is very, very white. Yeah. But, of course, the cast of characters is fairly small, also. Right. But, yeah, um, very, yes, New York, very white this, very white this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there wasn't that much snow, and what there was was obviously fake. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, this actually brings me to one of my talking points, not one of the usual ones, but uh, it occurred to me watching this film. Um, Max, do you think this film could be remade today? And if so, would it matter what the pairing of the two characters was? What do you mean? What? Well, I'm looking at this film and it's like, could this film be made with two gay guys or two lesbians? Or could it be made with two non, you know, gender non-specific people? Or would, would race matter? I don't think so. I don't think race, gender, or sexual orientation would matter as long as the two characters had the potential to be to be lovers. Right. I mean, if you had like a gay man and a straight woman, I don't think it would work. It'd be a whole different movie. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't work as a movie, and we've seen this. Right. But it would. This movie, it wouldn't work as this movie. I don't know if you could remake it. The whole idea of men and women being friends or not being able to be friends. I don't think that's as much of I think we've seen that enough in other movies and in real life that it's possible. Yeah. I, I think that I that joke wouldn't hold up. Uh, there's I think also it would, the, have to, it would have to mature. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But and they, they I, also point out, let's face it, Harry's promiscuity—the the number of women he sleeps with—that really doesn't age well. As even by in 1989, which was basically start, when the AIDS crisis was really starting to crest. Yes. Uh, that's kind. That's kind of problematic. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm. Surprised. But of course, it. You know, AIDS never happened to straight white guys. So right. That's okay. We yeah, <laughs> No, that's true. I mean, considering this movie would have been developed from probably around 1986 to 87, they didn't know. They no. They th- they thought that was true. They thought, oh no, it's just it's just gay men and it's just gay men in San Francisco. Yeah, but to, or New York. To be fair, New York was no, like one true, of the epicenters. True. True. Uh, but. It wasn't that they didn't understand. It's just that people only heard about yeah. it happening to people that they didn't have to care about, and that's yeah. how it was being portrayed in the news. Um, but as as was found out, it's like no, it just happens with anybody who has sex with anybody. It yeah. could happen but to that's anybody. One, that's one of the things that kind of dates this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it's you know it's, it is interesting to see how social mores have changed somewhat since then when it comes to sex. Um, now to be fair. We look. We only see one side of it. We can sit there and go, "Well, yeah, he's a horn dog," but he's apparently able to find quite a lot of women who want to sleep with him. Yeah. So it's just it's sad that it still has to be a thing where it's okay for the guy to have yeah. lots of sex, but yeah. it's not okay for the woman because, like, oh yeah, the whatever. double standard has is has not gone away. No, and it should have long ago. Yeah, you know. Um, but I just was, I was watching this film and it's just one of those things. It's like, there's literally nothing in general in this film where you couldn't apply this to characters of vastly different backgrounds sure. and it would still work. And yep. it's like, that's actually kind of nice. It makes the f- story a little bit more universal. Um, and I don't know why I initially th- just came to mind, but it did. And I thought I'd see if you thought the same way and it's kind of mm, cool. So. I think so. There's also some, there's some really good dialogue in here. There's some I, great lines. I, I, we know about the, the scene in the restaurant. Everybody yeah, knows but, that one. but even little things like when Carrie Fisher saying, when she finds out that uh, uh, Sally's broken up with uh, her boyfriend, says, oh, but you had a date on national holidays. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. that act- She actually gets two of my favorite lines. That's one of them. The other one is when she's arguing, when they're arguing about the wagon wheel coffee table. Yeah. And 
He says, well, I have good taste. He goes, no, honey, everyone thinks they have good taste and a sense of humor. But statistically, you know <laughs> that can't be right. And I, you know what? I believe it about Bruno Kirby's character. I believe he does not have a good sense of humor. Although he delivers one of my favorite lines, which was, you made a woman meow? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at deadpan delivery like that. And again, was something yeah. he was really good at in Good Morning Vietnam. <laughs> he can keep an absolutely straight face. <laughs> and drop lines like that. My other favorite line in the film is they're playing, I think it's Pictionary, and they're, they're <laughs> she, poor Sally is trying to do the, the phrase that it's, it's supposed to be a yeah. famous phrase is baby talk, and, and Bruno Kirby's character is just fixated on the fact that it's a mouth, and he finally blurts out baby fish mouth. <laughs> and at the end, she just goes, Sally, they run out of time and they don't get the points, and, he, and Sally just says, uh, baby talk? And he's like, that's a phrase, that's a famous phrase, and Billy Crystal comes back with baby fish mouth. That's a phrase that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> Which I and enjoyed. I remember when she, the first time I saw that, and she say, said that, and I was like, oh my God, she's right. Everyone does think that they have a sense of humor and good taste. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there going, do I have good taste? Do I just think I do? Do I? I was pretty sure about the sense of humor, but... It, I've it, got it, a personality too <laughs> Ted, you don't <laughs> uh, Yes, I, Max, I just you have love, a sense of humor uh, At yeah, the very least you. for putting up with me yeah. but. <laughs> Yes, but obviously I have no taste Because of I putting mean, up you know, with you What's a knot between friends? Uh, <laughs> why? That's such a deeper it's not That's a deeper no about. one even No one will, anyway I also, I, there is some very dated stuff. I like when they're in sharper image. Remember sharper oh, yeah. image? So I had sharper image in my uh, my notes because I just want, like the Rolodex, let's explain what this is. So uh. that was the one place you could walk in and buy a full-size replica of the alien from Aliens if you so wanted. <laughs> yes, you, yeah. Um, it was basically a toy store for yuppies. It was a toy store for people with too much money. Yeah. And I, I like he goes over to the karaoke machine and goes, look, a singing machine. Because <laughs> he didn't know what karaoke meant. Yeah, that wasn't. I mean, the name wasn't a thing no. yet. But and I uh, like that when he's dancing and showing the white man's overbite. <laughs> it's like, oh God, that's right. That's. <laughs> I mean, say what you want, and I, I I think there was some ad libbing in here, and I know there was some ad libbing when he's when he's when they're in the uh, the Met at the uh, Egyptian exhibit, and he's saying, "Will you partake of my what?" That's that right. Apparent... I, more pepper in your paprikash. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the when he says that, not only was that ad libbed, but you see Meg Ryan laughing. She looks off camera. <laughs> She's actually looking at um, Rob Reiner, who just sits there and signals, "Go with it. Go with it. Go with it." <laughs> and I would not be surprised to find out that Billy Crystal. Uh, had some additions to the to the script because I would not be surprised. It feels very Billy Crystal, and you know I got to say, as negative as his character comes off, he's funny. He Billy is. Crystal's really funny in this film, yep. um, and as I said, the most Billy Crystal. But and then we have the point where they actually sleep together. Yeah, and that's really awkward, and it's very awkward. well done. It's really it's really well handled. It's very believable. Be- it, on the one hand, you're also sort of like, oh, God, this is such a mistake because she's almost, she's upset. She's very emotionally vulnerable. He, they really shouldn't have done this. Yeah. And they both admit, they both say it was a mistake, but clearly, mm. <laughs> you know. And the looks on their faces in the afterglow. Yeah. Where she's got this, like, blissful smile. She's got the Meg Ryan smile. Yep, she's, she's got, got the real Meg Ryan, the pure Meg Ryan, eyes closed, gums showing smile. Yeah. And he's just, I, I don't know how to describe it. He's the coyote who's realized his leg is caught in the trap. <laughs> I this was thinking look, existential dread, but yeah, okay. He looks, yeah, he's just real existential dread. And it's interesting because they're both right for different reasons. So he's right because he's like, this is suddenly going to make a friendship that we both really enjoy really complicated. She's going to read a lot into it like it suddenly means anything when it doesn't. And she's thinking, hey, this is changing our relationship in a really cool way, and it obviously means something. And of course, they will be proven right, but not for a while. Yeah. And so we have to go through that awkward breakup period where they're you know, not friends anymore. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, this, you know, before we get too late here, this will bring us sort of towards some of the other talking points mm. that we bring up. So one of the ones we brought up and for all of the films yep. in the series, do we buy how they meet? Sure. Sure. Why not? It's, I mean, it's, it's artificial, but it's exactly the kind of artificial that you has in real life. It's like, yeah. oh, you're going to, you know, she's like, I think it's Billy Crystal's girlfriend at the time is Meg Ryan's yeah. friend right. and says, look, you're driving to New York. Why don't you take my boyfriend with you? And, you know, you guys can share the drive. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. believable. Do they have chemistry? I think they do. And here's where I think things get interesting to me, is they have better chemistry as friends than they do as a couple. Yeah, they have really good personality and intellectual chemistry. I don't know if they... They have some sexual chemistry, I think, at least on the screen, but it's not as strong as the rest of it. No. And this, of course, leads to the other one, which is how do we feel about the ending with the character's relationship coming to a close? Do we feel like, do we buy it? Do we we say, oh, yeah, they live happily ever after? Yeah, honestly, I'm enough of a sucker for a romantic ending that I like it. And I, I actually like the way he appears at the New Year's party and tells her he loves her and points out that he the things he loves about her are also the things that drive him crazy. Oh, you mean when he runs in with the uh, boombox over his head yeah, and he's playing yeah. Peter Gabriel, that, that scene? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> don't be a guy. Be a man. Man. Oh, uh, great line. Actually, I've never seen that film. Oh, um, it's a, it's, well, maybe we, we should do that at some point, but. Lloyd Dobler, isn't that his Lloyd name? Lloyd Dobler, played by Why John Why do I Hughes. know that? <laughs> I don't know. I that, don't either. And talk about, there's another movie with an amazing cast, but anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. because interestingly, at the end of the film, it's an improv scene. They're on the couch and they're talking about it. It's something I did not notice, but in the last scene of the film, I didn't put this in the trivia. Uh, she's not wearing a ring, oh. which is interesting, but she's going on and on about something and he comes back with, she's right. Almost in a, I'm changing my mind because my wife wants me to change my mind kind of way. Oh, I didn't get that. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if and I it's saw like, that. He, yeah, it's like usually you think, oh, Harry would now go into why she's not right, because um, I think she talks about it's all about the food thing, you know, having things separate, and sometimes things can be great separate, and sometimes can be things can be great different ways. And he says, yeah, she's right, basically. Um, I I like them so much as friends because they seem so much more like themselves. And once they become a couple, it feels like they're putting, they're 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 sanding some edges off in a way. Um, I don't think they make a bad couple. I just like them better as friends. Huh. That's just yeah, my take. I can see that. I think it might have been a bolder choice to keep them as friends. Yeah. Well, that's what they were going to do, and you know, director and screenwriter both said, "Yeah, this is how they should end up." And then, of course, the director ends up falling in love, and yeah. it's like, "No, no, marriage." But I'm apparently, too happy they're still now. married. Yeah, they're still married, so oh, there you go. Oh, that's nice. Good yeah. for good for Meathead. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about the whole device of the couples on the couch coming in documentary style throughout the movie? I actually liked it. I, I really liked the people. I thought I actually thought they might be real people. Apparently, they were actors. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they were well-known actors. <laughs> no, they were. I'm sure they were just people they grabbed off the, out of the uh, central casting. But the but stories were the- real. Yeah, I liked it because it was hopeful. It's like, and you know, you know, there are people like this all over the place. I mean, I know people who, you know, whose parents have been married for fifty years or whatever, sixty years, um, and they were just nice stories. It was nice. Um, I can see why people would say, "Hey, this is kind of jarring a little bit." It's sort of taking us out of the film because it's like a totally different tone. Because in general, we're just watching a film, and now it's like we're watching a documentary. But I, I liked it. What did you think? Uh, I liked the individual pieces. I thought it was uh, gimmicky, and I thought it was unnecessary, and it also didn't reflect what was happening. It, I was thinking, oh, are they going to, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, are these going to be about couples who started out as friends and then ended up getting married? Mm-hmm. And none of them, not one, was like that. No. And not to mention there's a couple in there where that are kind of like, eh. Like the guy saying, oh, yeah, I saw this beautiful girl walked in, and I said to my friend, that's the girl I'm going to marry. Yeah. Like, okay, really? So just based on the way she looked, you were you believed you were going to spend the rest of your life with her. That's, eh. I just, and that happens. 
And it was yeah. very common thing in older films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and the, one of them was the high school sweetheart, but you know, yeah, they didn't, yeah. You know. No, I mean, again, they were very sweet, and I, I loved. I'm sorry, the the old couple who keep talking over each other. <laughs> that the, was the most realistic. The one. most realistic, and yes, I will say it. They were this adorable old Jewish couple, <laughs> and I know it because well, yeah, I lived on Delancey Street. Up, oh, yeah, the accent, yeah. where they lived, what they did. Oh, yeah, and they were so cute. They was like, okay, I've seen that in my own family. The two <laughs> who talk over each other. But it works. You can still understand both of them because they have each other's rhythm down so pat. Not entirely unlike a certain Jewish couple that we both know because we're both a part of one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, except that we're not a couple and I'm not Jewish. Shout out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they, they were fun. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it I could see why. You know, you thought it was gimmicky, and it yeah. kind of was. But but, I, but it I still is it. very it, it still is very nice for me. It's like the ending. It's like I don't know if it really works, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, any other uh, notes before we get to that uh, nope. all important wrap up where we decide, hey, you know, good points, bad points. Does this still make a film that you'd want to watch? Nope, nothing. Well, nope. Let's get there. All right, and the roundup. We're there. <laughs> So Max, Sorry, I missed it. Um, yes. <laughs> get on again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you'd seen it when it came out. I Have did. you seen it many times since it came out? I've seen it several times. I don't know about many, but I've seen it at least three or four times since it came out. So you hate it? Oh, yeah. It's been gathering hate. It's it has. I hate, hate watch it. I, wa <laughs> I watch it purely purely when I want to make myself suffer. No, okay. I like I like this movie a lot. I think this movie is very cute. Yeah. I think it's adorable. I think it's it's the Meg Ryan of movies, you know? It's just you want to Boy. tweak its cheek. Yeah, yeah. She's very Meg Ryan-y. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did that smile. I forget, there was somebody on Saturday Night Live who used to do an impersonation of her, and they would do that smile, and it was instantly Meg Ryan, and then uh, she does this in the film. It's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. I'm not sure who, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I think th this is one of my favorite Meg Ryan movies, if not my favorite, uh, just because... She is very sweet in it, and she's also, you know, she's not just sweet. She's got an edge to her. She's got, uh, she does change, and she evolves, the character evolves. I mm -hmm. think more so than uh, Bill, than Billy Crystal's character does. Uh, yeah, I think this is a lot of fun. It's got great, the writing is wonderful. The dialogue is so much fun. I like the secondary couple. I like uh, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby. I think they're great together. Mm -hmm. And I think they're great separately. I think they're great in their supporting roles as best friends, and then I think they're great as a couple. And I, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And I, I think Meathead does a very nice job directing it. <laughs> there is now two presents on your doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? you? Did you see it when it came out? No, I did not. Okay. Uh, I, I'm generally not a rom-com kind of guy. Um, 1989, I'm sure I was seeing... Actually, I think I looked it up, and I think it's the same year that uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade oh. and maybe T2 or something like that came out. So I would have been more likely to see films like that. More explodey things! That's right. If it doesn't explode, <laughs> it's not for men! Um, uh -huh. I saw it somewhere on video in the 90s. Don't remember. Um... I don't remember who saw I saw it with, and I remember liking it at the time, and I haven't seen it since. Uh, it has got its little problems. Again, I think that the both sexes, more predominantly the women, but the men and the women in this film are fairly stereotypical. Uh, with the women, I think it's really to a detrimental point, because it's like, I, I think women have more important things to think about than, I'm not married! yet and again if that's your thing cool but it's like that's all we see yeah. if it had been one character or two maybe but it's like that it's, it's it suggests that all women are just worried about when they get married um and they have far more interesting things they can and do 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 <laughs> what is it that, that you do do <laughs> yeah that present on your doors yeah. um that being said if you take its time and that bit into consideration it's fun Billy Crystal, for the most part, is the funnier part of the two, but they both have their moments. Other characters have their moments. Baby Fishmouth kills me. I'd forgotten <laughs> all about it. Um, it's light. It doesn't get too serious. It could have, um, but it doesn't. If you're looking for rom-com, it's kind of the rom communist <laughs> that we've looked at so far. A rom-communist, um, if you will. <laughs> no, I won't. 
and I won't do it this week, and I won't do it next week. But before we get there, yes. we, of course, have to take care of our business oh, because, yes. again, we had a suggestion from one of our listeners, and you could be one of them. That said, you know, guys, do the news or the business at the end of the show. So I will now do the business at the end of because the show. Because this is the point when everyone turns off the podcast. <laughs> well, they figure if you've got this far, maybe you'll care about another one. Yeah. Uh, if you care about another one, you can find all of our episodes, and they are hermetically sealed for your convenience and your safety. Yeah, sealed in a mayonnaise jar underneath Funkin' Wagdall's porch. Hey, there's holes in the <laughs> lid and a stick. Um you can find them on our stick, which can be found at <laughs> www.maxmikemovies.com. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice. You can find us on social media, including things such as Facebook and uh, Insta- not Instagram. We Twitter. Don't that one. Uh, Spotify, Twitter. I always forget Twitter because it's the one I don't have. Yeah. And... Uh, besides leaving comments on the website under each specific episode, you can, of course, contact us. And, hey, as you've heard, you might get on the show because we used your your comment or your suggestion or whatever. Email us directly at us. That's simply us at maxmikemovies.com. But speaking of awkward sex, what are we doing next week? <laughs> Same thing we do every week, Pinky. Uh, we are... Zolt! Point! We're... We're going to, this is a movie that Mike suggested that I have never actually seen. Mm. It's uh, called Down With Love. Is it not Up With Love? I think it's Down With Love. Honestly, I'm not sure. It's Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. It's kind of Mm. a uh, throwback to the sort of Doris Day comedies of the 60s. Yes. And uh, up or down, we are either going to be down with love, Holmes, or... (laughs) We'll be up with love all night long. I don't know. Just think of it this way. Be up with Mike and down with Max. Yeah. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. (laughs) 